Growing your beauty business doesn't have to be overwhelming. It's all about mastering a few key strategies and systems to save you time. Welcome to Beauty Marketing Simplified, a podcast dedicated to helping you on your entrepreneurial journey. I'm your host, April Meese. I'm a permanent cosmetic artist that built my six-figure business while only working three days a week and raising twin toddlers. I'm here to tell you it is possible for you too. With a background in spa marketing, it's my mission to help women worldwide get more profits while pursuing their passion and purpose. Let's transform your beauty business for more income and less stress starting right now. Hey, hey, my friend. Hello, beautiful. Today we have an interview with Jenna Cash, and she is the founder of SoCo Lashes. And we're going to be talking about how you can increase your sales by being the specialist. Welcome, Jenna. Hi, how are you? Good. I'm going to read your bio here. Always obsessed with creatures and plants, Jenna Cash, mother of two, founder of SoCo Lashes in California, found a way to blend her love of a green way of living and the beauty industry. Licensed in the year 2001 at the age of 17, it took her a decade to find out what she was really most passionate about in her lash industry, and she has proudly dedicated the last eight years of her career to helping women reach their definition of success in the world of beauty and also the world's first eco-friendly lash brand. Yay! I know. Cool, right? So good. Welcome. So thank you. We're talking about how to increase your sales by being a specialist. I'm so excited for this. I want to hear all your gems. So I always love to hear it in your words. Like what is the 60 second version of your story and how you got started? How I got started into becoming a specialist or how I got started into the beauty industry? Well, more so, like, not the very first part of it, because we just heard your bio, but, like, the specialist, where you said, like, I need to specialize in this. So I think that it's important to be able to do what you love, of course, but then I also think within that, if you're able to identify where the most income or revenue is coming from and really be able to hone in on that. So for myself, I saw a huge jump in growth in my clientele, on my Instagram following, when I just really started specializing in one particular thing, which was more textured or wispy lashes. I think at the time it was easier to grow because nobody did it. Mm. I think that there was one other artist who, who did wispy lashes, um, but she was up in Canada. So I was the only person at the time that did that. And I think if you're in a place right now where you're like, well, how does that help me? Well, my advice is to find something that nobody's doing and to do that. And I think a quick answer to that would be classic. Very, very few people master classic and advertise that. So if you're in a place where you're struggling on what to be known for or how to grow quickly, find something that nobody's doing or nobody wants to do. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I am so fired up about this topic because I don't know if you know. Well, first of all, it doesn't take a lot to get me excited. I'm, I'm easily excitable. <laughs> um, but, you know, this is this is something I preach all the time, too. Like, focus is the key. You know, instead of we, there's so much shiny object syndrome out there and there's so many distractions. And even like Jeff Bezos, like Amazon started with just books. Books. 
And then to emphasize your point, what he did is he said, okay, what do people really want is they love convenience. And he went all in on that. So I love that you looked for, because if you can get ahead of the curve, like people are nervous about like following the trends, but if you can see what the demand is and get ahead, so good. So obviously you started at a young age. You must have had like a go-getter spirit in you. Just start. Oh yeah, I like working. I like it as long as it's something that I can enjoy myself doing, and it, I'm able to be artistic. I love work. I like it. It's rewarding, especially when you're financially rewarded. It's even better. Yeah, yeah. I've always loved it. Yeah, and Grace just said she is trying to grow her business with a team of four, but they're just mm-hmm. so slow. And I just want to say. And you probably have some words for this, but Grace, you're not alone because right now globally, like not just locally, and I don't know where you're located at, Grace, but I can just say globally, you know, we're in a recession like that is, and I we hate to like label things, but it is what it is. It's important to acknowledge it and make adjustments and evolve your business. So it's not just you, but there are some things. So hopefully we can tackle that. So you've been just, you've had that spirit. You know, I, I think a lot of people when they first start, when beauty professionals, lash artists, when they first start their business, they have that fire in them. And then, right. you know, doubt sets in or it is slow. Or what do you do to encourage yourself on those times when, you know, things are slowing down or it's not turning out as you planned, right? Yeah. I think the secret is just to stay productive, not busy, but productive. So back in, when did the house, the, it was the 2006 when the big housing crap happened? Eight, 2008. 2008. Okay. So I was just a manicurist at the time and everybody was slow. You know, people think it's slow right now. Try 2008, you said? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was, it was very scary. So yeah. instead of, you know, I saw a lot of people fall out of what they were doing at the time because I think the the short answer that nobody really wants to hear is no, they weren't good with their money and they weren't great with finances. So instead of breaking myself out, what I did was I started working from home because I didn't have overhead and I went back to school to get my cosmetology license. So by the time I was finished and licensed, everything started to pick back up again. So I was able to use the time that I had to, to be beneficial towards my future, you know? And I think a lot of people don't, when they say I'm slow, you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm so you're what you should be saying is, Oh, this is awesome. This gives me time to figure out what I really want to do and yeah. how I can advance. If I never did that, I would have never been able to lash because I would have only had a manicure license. Yeah. You know, I love that. What I'm hearing you say is you were resourceful. So, you know, you said, okay, what do we need to do? What, you know, what's, instead of just saying like how, because people get stuck in the how, like you said, what do we need to do? I actually, at that time, I was working for a dermatologist doing, you know, facials and permanent makeup and all the stuff. And I got let go. I mean, so did most of the company. He downsized a lot of things. And so, but that was a perfect opportunity. Like you say, from those times, that's where your biggest growth can come. That's when I started my own business. Right. And it was like, okay, from now on, I'm going to be my own boss. I'm going to make my own money and not rely on anybody else. Right. Right. Well, you know, you see a lot of people who are entrepreneurs, they are familiar with Tony Robbins. And what he says is if you can build a business in the winter seasons, not winter meaning when it's cold, but winter meaning when it's low, then those are the people that will always be successful. So find a way to stay busy and try, enjoy the process. I think a lot of people get so stressed out over it. And what I always will tell 
my students when they're slow, add up how much money that you're making and then compare that to your friends who work regular jobs, you're still making a substantially higher annual income than they are. You have so much free time, you don't have a boss, and you only work, you know, when you add your hours up, two and a half days a week. That's that's a gift. You've been given the gift of time, so you use it wisely. Yeah, so good. Yeah, I love that when Tony Robbins says, good times make weak people, and weak people make bad times, and then bad times make strong people, and then strong people make good times. So at this time, like it, when it's a bad time or it feels a little slow, it'll make you stronger for sure. So what were your biggest struggles when you were starting your business? I think what everybody's struggles were growing my clientele. How do I get people in my books? And I think something that people get wrong you can't grow your clientele when you haven't mastered what you're selling yet. If you are feeling that you're in the season of growth, but you haven't mastered what it is that you're selling, you're setting yourself up for failure because how hard it is to come back from a bad reputation doesn't even compare to how easy it would be, in essence, if you don't do that, to grow your clientele from scratch because now you're going to be this person who came out of nowhere. And people are going to say, who is this girl and where did she come from? So really, really promoting yourself when you're not great. And I don't, I don't say good on purpose. Great. Because when you're selling something, in essence, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm, what I'm selling is better than what everybody else is selling. And that's, you know, the brutal truth of sales. You have to show that what you're selling is better than what other people are selling. And if it's not, you're building your reputation on a lack of perfectionism, what it is that you're able to sell. You can't really talk somebody into, okay, here's a good example. How much would you pay for a beautiful, perfect gel manicure with just like on three of your nails, there's just a little bit of gel in your cuticle. I wouldn't pay for that. So why would you expect somebody to pay for your lashes that aren't perfect? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think that that is like, I think what happens is we are just going back to talking about like that shiny object syndrome, right? Like I just, when, when things aren't working out, like it's hard, it can be challenging to stay in the discomfort and say, no, I'm committed to this. I'm going to improve my skills because people think, oh, it's, it's just the next thing. Like it's just volume. I need to just do volume lashes or I just need to do like, I just need to do that next thing. And that is going to be my ticket to success. And by the way, it could be just like the next new service. It could be the next new product, you know, like it's the next new tweezers or it's the next new, right? Or it could even be the next new business. Like sometimes people are like, oh, I just need to have my own product line or I just need to teach or I just need it, right? Like that's like they haven't mastered the one and they go to the next. What would you say to that? In this industry, we're visual. So I would say, I'm going to age myself, but go rent the movie. You can do this digitally. I used to have to go into a video store, Curly Sue. And the whole premise of this movie is this little girl can spell these incredibly difficult words, but she can't spell cat. If you don't know how to do a perfect, if you haven't mastered classic lashing, you shouldn't be mastering anything else or mm -hmm. even introducing because you haven't mastered the foundation of what it is that sets your business apart from everybody else, perfection. And people are moving forward, building their business on a lack of really knowledge. And they just get so the grass is greener or antsy in their pantsy because they want what this person has, but they don't see the four or five years below them that got them to where they are. I've been in this industry for over two decades, 22 years, and people don't think that, you know, I'm almost 40 and 
I've been working on this since I was 17. I started beauty school when I was 17. 16, yeah. 17. I graduated when I was 17. I think I was 17 when I went to beauty school, too. But it's, a, it's been a long time coming. Yeah. And I've never given up. Yeah. Even when it was hard, you know? So we now, the next question we need to be asking you is, what is your skincare routine? <laughs> Fabulous. I have rosacea, so thank you. <laughs> no, you look fabulous. Put that below. Thank you. I have, I just actually was diagnosed maybe three months ago. And so I'm like, this mm. is like my self-conscious. <laughs> but yeah, thank you. Everything that my dermatologist tells me to do, I do. <laughs> exactly. So good. Okay. So we're talking about specializing and how that's going to increase sales. You're going to be known for that thing. And I also think the the complexity of what people don't realize, the complexity of learning the next thing, right, mm-hmm. is that now you have to not only just learn the next skill you got to buy, maybe there's new product that goes with that, right? Or even the next business. Like there's a whole new set of expenses with the next thing. And yeah. One of the things I always say is if you can't market and sell, you're coming from it from the skills angle. Like if you're not good with the basics, if you don't have the foundation down, you can't grow from there. But I'm even saying if you can't market and sell your main service, what makes you think you're going to be able to market and sell the next service, right? Now you just have more expenses with it. I'm not, I don't like selling. I think that I don't really like promoting myself. I like to prove myself and for other people to grow my business for for me. And that's what I teach at our SoCo Business Retreats and Lash Booth Collective. And I think why we're a little bit different is because I sell from a distance. I sell because I sell myself. And when I do something, people know I'm going to put 120% into it. So anytime I do introduce something new, they trust me. And people miss that step. I don't like selling myself. I don't like talking about do this, do that. It makes me feel what my oldest daughter, when she was little, she used to say it makes her shrink. (laughs) It just feels so yucky. But I prefer to sell my reputation because if you're able to build a foundation, you can sell your reputation. Other people will build your business for you. And I think that that's a big secret that people are never taught how to sell your reputation and how to build the foundation of your business in a way that allows other people to grow up for you because I don't get burnt out. I'm not selling myself. My clients are selling my business. Our customers are selling our business because they trusted me to begin with. And then it's this plethora of advertising as in like they talk about us on their podcast. They talk about us on their social media. You guys want to be in a place as a lash artist where people are talking about your lashes on their on their platforms, that's free advertisement. So if you can get in a place where you're so consistent, where people talk about you, even if they're never going to visit you, if you have some type of talk trigger that you can identify and really focus on that, everything grows for you. And you can just sit there and quietly work on your business and allow the world to do what you hate doing for you. Yes, absolutely. And I would also just add one more thing to that is when you are modeling the brand, which I think you do so well, when you are modeling, like, you you know, what do you want people to say about you? You know, I I heard this great quote and I'm forgetting who it's from. And I want to say Simon Sinek, but it's something like a brand is, oh no, not the why, but I love that one too. That's, that's what he's really well known for. But brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. 
And so, you know, what do you want your clients to say to you about you, right? What do you want them to think about you and say about you? You don't want them to say, oh, she's the cheapest in town. Like, that's not the reputation you want to have unless you're trying to be like the, the Walmart or the discount, like, lashes. You really want to be known for your quality and service and, and the way you stand out. So what did you specialize in first? Lashing world or in the beauty world? Because you have several businesses. No, when you went all in, because we know you did the cosmetology and the, the nails, and then you went all in yeah. for the lashes, the wispy lash, right? Is that, that's yes. what you went all in? So that's what I started with. And okay, so the reason I wanted to start with wispy, it wasn't called wispy back then. I called it the grown in look. Because when I did nails, I was known having acrylics, even if they were long looking more natural. And people always liked their nails when they were on their maybe second or third toe because then it started to take the form of their natural nail. So I was like, I, I think people should try and do that with lashes. So that's what I tried. I just tried to emulate what I had built my nail business on into what I was going to be building my lash service business on. And I wanted to be able to give people a look of a grown in set because when I had my lashes done, I hated that it was just this straight line. I wanted it to look like my explanation to my clients. It's going to look like this. And they're like, yes, I love it. So I started from day one trying to understand how to create that, how to maintain it, what it takes, what what were the rules that break this. And so just from day one, I've always done that. I love that you were like observing. What do people yeah. want? What do people like? What do I keep hearing that they like? And the yeah. grown in look like that is really good. I think that yeah. so often, like we don't ask enough questions to think because we're, I think a lot of beauty professionals are like, you know, what do I need to do? What do I need to say? Instead of like focusing on the client, you were like, well, what do they want? What are they saying that? And I love that like you had kind of more inquisitive mindset to say okay this is what they like and let's do that with lashes too brilliant love that thank you yeah love that you know it was only because that's what I wanted and nobody could ever give it to me and I'm one of those people that if I go somewhere and they can't do it I will say I'm going to do it I'm going to do it better and so I think a lot of that goes into a lot of entrepreneurships and I know a lot of lash artists are like that too like how are they licensed and experienced and they don't understand what I'm saying? I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it the right way. And I think that that's why a lot of people start their own businesses. Yeah, absolutely. So that was your first doing lashes. What was your second business after that? Well, well, my very, very first business was manicuring because I had my manicuring. And then I went back to cosmetology. I tried hair, but I didn't do it. I more so wanted to do it for the, the license. So lashing was my second business. And then moving forward, I, that's not true. I had my salon before I lashed. So I opened a salon and one of the women who rented a room for me taught me how to lash or introduced me to it rather. So I guess technically lashing would be my third endeavor. Along the way, I was a single mom. As I told you, if I'm bored, I'm going to fill time to do something productive. I learned how to do photography. I did photography for 10 years And again, like using what I had said about lashing, I focused on photography. I focused on what nobody was selling. And at the time, nobody sold newborn photography. There was so many, like Ann Getty. That's who I was like, I'm going to be like Ann Getty. (laughs) And this was long before there were YouTube videos teaching you how to do things. I couldn't figure it out. But I would always just try and find if this is what I love, then it doesn't make a difference if I'm photographing weddings or babies or newborns. I'm just going to do the thing that's going to make me the most money if I love it all the same. And so I focused on that. 
And then I guess SoCo came after that. SoCo would be business number five. So lucky number five. (laughs) Yes. And what I love about that is it's not like she was like, oh, this business didn't work out. She didn't label it a failure. She just said, this brought me to here, right? And then that brought me to here. And then that brought me to here, right? Like it, you're stacking success. You're stacking those experiences. You're stacking all that wisdom and you're like Mm -hmm. getting closer and closer to the goal. And you're not beating yourself up about like why this didn't work. And maybe I should just give up. You were just like, no, I'm just, it's just the evolution. Well, you know, I think, I think something that I, I'm not afraid to live in a one bedroom studio. I'm not afraid of telling people that so I think something that I lacked that other people had was a big ego because that kind of thing just didn't embarrass me and throughout this process even when I was successful I shared a room with my daughter for probably two years I had two different roommates and it's not that I couldn't afford my own place I just thought okay do I want to spend $500 a month or do I want to spend $2,500 a month and have all of this extra money. And so that that was money that I put towards my business, towards vacation, towards keeping my mind happy. And people, I think, when they go all in, they don't really, they do it in a way that I personally wouldn't have done it because it leads to burnout. But going all in just means that you're not going to give up and you're not going to give yourself option B. You know, you don't have to work on it 24 hours a week or 10 hours a week. Whenever you have the time, this is what you're dedicating to. And I think that people overdo it to the point where they don't like it anymore because you're not going to see success for years, two to five years until you're really successful at something, really. And I think people expect that in a year and then they get, you know, down on themselves because it's not happening. Yeah, so good. You know, it's, I don't know if you've heard, but they've done studies on like really successful people and the wealthy and so forth. And like, they've narrowed it down to a few characteristic traits. And one that stood out to me, which, which is what you just displayed and talked about having is the ability to delay gratification, the ability to say, no, I'm going for my long-term vision because so many people will, you know, again, either not manage finances or not be able to sacrifice in the short term for the long-term goal. And that is one of the things that leaders and, you know, the visionaries and successful people have. So well done on that. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times people will grow faster than they're ready for, right? And so now they're managing, you know, trying to not only just keep herself busy and booked and pay the bills, but also, you know, these four people. I've always been a big proponent of lean teams. I know people love big teams, but I I love lean teams. Smaller, yes, 100% 100 agree. Yeah, and actually now my team is really just virtual assistants, but it's a different type of business, I get it, than a brick and mortar. Any feedback that you would have when you have a team and you're trying to get them booked as well? Well, I mean, I suppose I I don't have too much experience in employees. I, I did try it for a year. I... I don't like to micromanage. I do like things a specific way. Yeah, I will let people know my expectations up front and what I expect from them as renters. But I found that I don't like 
to have employees because number one, you have no control over what it is that they're doing, what it is that they're selling, the the consistency. And what I know to be true in this industry, when things get hard or when people burn out or once you get your mind on something like, I don't like this anymore, it's a, and now you're taking the brunt of that. So I personally would recommend renting because number one, it's easy. I don't have to micromanage. I don't have to babysit. You'll learn a lot of things along the way, like what to do when somebody's late on rent, what to do when people don't get along, what to do when somebody's using somebody's things. Those things come with time. But what my analogy with owning a salon and having a booth renter, it was almost like the mall. So how I would explain to them when they would come to me with an issue, I would say, I'm not your employee. This is like the mall. Everybody has their own business, their own space. So you're your own business. That's why you make all of your money. So I can give you advice, but it's not my place to build your clientele. It's not my place to keep your clients happy. And you rent inside of Soho Lashes, which at the time it was called so- Sonoma County Beauty Bar, but you don't work for me. You're Lashes by Sarah B or Sarah Jessica, Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> you're not so Lashes. So I can guide you. I can give you the ball, but it's their job to keep the ball rolling. And I was very particular about the type of people that I hired. At the time, I didn't have a lot of experience. So I hired people who were go-getters. And then I kind of forgot about the other parts, the other key ingredients of what makes a great renter, (laughs) you know, like kindness, cleanliness, things like that, because I was just focused on how do I make this successful to where I know that I don't have to run, build, fill in the blank, their business for them, because really it's not, that's, that doesn't fall on me. You're just a renter. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah. It's challenging. If they're employees, I don't have a lot of advice because I don't, I don't like being, I don't like having employees. Yeah. Yeah. I know for me, when we did have that, it's, I, I, I'm the same. I just, I think it, you, you go through different stages and some people are great with that. And I was just not, I'm not great with, I can lead, a, you know, a small team, but I also need, I, I like them to be almost like with my virtual assistants now, I need them. Yeah. They're in charge of their own schedule. We have, you know, KPIs, we have deadlines, we have things like that. As long as it's done by this timeline, you know, I'm good. So I, I'm like you, I don't like micromanaging people. It's really hard because I expect everybody to show up, do their best, right? Like, you know, have the same level of commitment and they don't always have that because if they did have that same drive and everything that you have, they probably have their own business. And that's not to say anything bad because we all need, you know, employees, we all need leaders and followers, and we all need that for the system to work. But it can be challenging to, you know, all the emotions that go into managing a team. So, yeah. 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 So, so getting back to specializing, I think the challenge is, as we were saying before, if you have any advice on how do you resist shiny object syndrome? I know that as you grow to different levels in business, what actually happens, a lot of people don't realize this, is you get more opportunities. So you you have more shiny object syndrome. You have more things that you could actually say yes to, but you also have less time. So you have to be very, you know, selective on what you pick. So how do you, for people that maybe don't have as much time, how do you resist shiny object syndrome? Two-part question. And then for you personally, how do you decide what gets your attention? Okay, so I think a common misconception is you're a lash artist. You want to offer everything. Well, now you're offering 
everything. You don't have anybody that you're specifically selling to. So now your chances of selling to 20 people are much lower because now you're selling to a thousand people. So if you can find that one thing, as I said with the photography, if you love lashing, then pick the thing that you're quickest at because that's what's going to make you the most money. And at the end of the day, this is a business. It's going to be cookie cutter. You're not going to be excited one day. You're going to be like, ah, I got to go to work. So it will be like that. So choose the thing that you're fastest at because at the end of the day, that is what, why we do what we do. We do this to make money so that at the end of the day, we don't have to work eight hours. We don't have to be there all day. We can take Saturdays off if we want to. What happens when you offer too many things, you start overcomplicating things. If you're going to make the same amount of money, why would you complicate it? Why wouldn't you just simplify it? You're now complicating your inventory. You're complicating your clientele. Now, if you're doing lifts, that is completely different time frame with a fill. So now you're going to have 30 minute breaks all the time because the lift takes an hour and your fills take 90 minutes. What do you do with that extra free time? You're losing money. So if the comparison, if you're not making the same amount of money doing this, than you are this, don't do it. And if you make more money doing lifts, then focus on lifts so you can book back to back. You only have one inventory that you're maintaining. If you're going to make the same amount of money, why would you multiply the inventory that you have and overcomplicate everything. And that's what I have always, it's always boiled down to for me. Why am I going to spend seven times the amount on inventory? Then I would just, now I just have to do my point of fours, point of threes, point twelves. That's all I carry in point tens. Why would I add, why would I add brush and volume and this and that? Why would I add all of those? If at the end of the day, it's not going to profit or benefit me anymore. It's just more stressful. And then at the end of the day, you have this preference and you're like, I hate doing X. I don't like doing mega volume. I don't like doing Russian volume. And there's going to be a day where you wake up and you're like, I have an all-star line this whole week of lashes I don't want to do. And I just did it for the money. I should have just done the wispy lashes. This is my story because this is what I like doing. And now you have to start over. Now you have to slowly integrate new clients in and phase out those old clients, which means you probably are going to have to break up with really incredible clients. So you're just backing yourself into a corner. Because eventually one day it becomes a job and you don't want to make, you don't want the complicated anymore. So don't add it. And something that I just heard recently, you know, we have a lot of on our plate. Everybody does. But everything that we put on our plate, we put it there. So stop adding things to your plate if it doesn't benefit you in the end. Why are you going to offer 10 different services? Offer one. And then guess what happens? You're known for this. You are that. You're the it girl that offers wispy lashes. Everybody knows about you. Then one day, if you decide you want to do mega volume, everybody already knows who you are and they trust you and they'll say, oh my God, the wispy girl's offering mega volume. I want in. How, how long's your wait list? Because you will have a wait list. So simplify. Jenna, that was fire. Ladies, she just blew that up. Woo! I was just sitting here. I was like preaching it to the back. That was so, so good. For the podcast listeners, you need to hit rewind, listen to it again, listen to it until it is ingrained in your brain. Woo! That was so good. I mean, that was giving me life. I was loving it. Yes, 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 yes. So, so good because, yes, so many parts to that. I mean, I mean, there are so many pins that we could put in all of that. Like, one, I just want to emphasize this for anybody that might have been multitasking or whatever. Why would you overcomplicate it? I had a coach that would always say this. If you knew, first of all, your success is inevitable. We believe that. You know your success is inevitable. 
Failure is also inevitable because that is just the part of the journey, right? But your success is inevitable. So if there was one path that would take you to whatever your goal is, multi-six figures with only three days a week or millions, if that's your goal, whatever your goal is, whatever your lifestyle is, it's not just about money, but your life style. If you knew there was one path, why would you complicate it? Oh, yes. I mean, so much. And also, and I'm just going to pull this out because I think this is what you were speaking to as well. You know, think about, you know, there is, what is it called? Pareto's principle that there is 20% of what you do gets you 80% of the results. Like, and it's the 80-20 rule, right? Like, so there is that section of what you do that's, like you said, bringing in the money. If you just Mm -hmm. double down on that, if you started wearing, well, but there are a few people that book this right here. You know, I had a permanent makeup artist in Florida, Katie, that just focused on eyeliner for mature women, for women that have like, you know, thinner skin, Mm -hmm. delicate eyes, teary eyes, things like that. Don't want the crazy wings, right? Like she just focused on that. Just that one tweak in her business alone that we did, and, we, and a little bit of more messaging, her business increased 30% from just that. Yeah. Like if you can yeah. just double down on that stuff, woo, Jenna, loving all that. So how do you know, how do the beauty artists and lash artists and beauty professionals, business owners know when they're ready for the second business? I always say like business and life is, can be like a video game. You know, and I, cause I grew up like old school, 80s, <laughs> 80s, like Atari and all that. Right? How do you know once you've mastered that first level and you're ready then to go to the next level? Like Donkey Kong, you, you, you can't get to the next level where big barrels are flying at you until you've mastered the first level. So how do you know when you are ready to get to that next level and maybe bring on the next service or team or the next level of growth? What would you say? This is not... Bible, so take this with a grain of salt. But for me, I think that you're always going to be bored and you're always going to be like, what is this? What if I did this? Push past those thoughts because all you're doing is you're comparing your life to somebody else's and we don't know how chaotic their life is behind the scenes. But what I would say, when you're actually ready for something new, you'll have extra time to work on it. And it's not going to be depleted from what you're already doing. Don't deplete from what you have. When I started I always go by example because most of the women in this industry, we need examples or stories or something or visuals. So I'll give you a story. When I did nails, I was full. I had a wait list. And I'm like, how in the heck am I going to, I have nowhere to put lashes and now I'm good at lashes. What I started to do was I had Saturday. I told these clients that were coming in Saturday, this is temporary. You won't be able to be Saturday. I can give you Friday or Monday. I decided what day was best for them. I think I started with a Friday. So when my Saturday was full, And I was constantly telling people, I'm sorry, I'm booked. I'm sorry, I'm booked. Then my Friday nail clients were given the option. I can put you through Monday through Thursday, or I can refer you to one of the other girls. So when my day was overflowing, I then started booking them on Fridays. I slowly integrated and replaced what I currently had. But in order to not have less than, I added on that extra day that I did have space. It was every other Saturday when I didn't have my kids, didn't take time from my parenting. It didn't take time from really anything because sometimes I would come in on Saturdays anyways if I had nothing going on. So it was time that didn't deplete from anything else that I was already doing. And then I was able to integrate and shift. And most oftentimes, you know, with my Friday nail clients, I could squeeze them in gaps or I could stay an extra hour late. But I did tell them the long-term goal is to phase this out. So 
Jessica has an opening. If you want it, I would take it because this is probably going to happen again in another month. And, you know, ultimatums are still going to you know be happening. So I would gently push them to other people because my end goal, I knew what it was. So use your extra time. Then you can slowly shift that into your current time. Don't ever take Say, I'm not going to do this on Thursdays unless you have extra time because then you're going to put yourself in the predicament where you will experience failure because it happens no matter who you are. You're going to be doing amazing. It's like when you first start training, you're so busy. You're like, I am busy. I'm good at this. This is what I was meant to do. And then in six months, you've saturated your area and now you're dead. Well, now people have to fly into you. So don't take it away from what you already have until you are 100% sure you have a wait list, you're booked out six months, whatever it is that makes you comfortable. And then you can start integrating that into your normal schedule. Yeah. And I love that you have to be, what, what I'm hearing you say is you have to be discerning. Like you have to say, okay, which, which is hard because we want to say yes to our clients. And especially for a lot of beauty service providers, we're service, right? So we yeah. give. And we don't want people to like, oh, what if she doesn't like me? Or what if she goes someplace else? Or what if she tells bad people bad things? Like, well, she didn't fit me in. When you start moving them, right? When you start moving them to you got to come Monday through Thursday. And they're used to, you know, Sally's used to always come in on Friday. And you have to be willing to set your, you know, hold your boundaries, design your life and your business how you want to live. And so she had to start cutting off, you know, trimming the fat and saying, this is where we need to make adjustments. I love that you did that. And that can be hard to do like a real life, like conversation that can be hard to say, you know, cause people get like, we all, I, I mean, I shouldn't say we all, but a lot of people have, and I know for myself, I grew up with, you know, my mom on welfare and whatever, some scarcity mindset issues, like a, what if they go away or what if there's not enough? And so that fear can creep up in us and it can be hard to make those adjustments in our schedule. So I love that you spoke to saying, look, I had to think about my vision. I had to think about what yeah. do I ultimately want? Well, and another part is, yeah, people do get upset, but if you were very clear in the beginning, I'm opening up Saturdays, maybe in, you know, one month, three months, my Saturdays will be closed to lashing and I'll be opening it to new clients. So you only get a couple of months on Saturday and then you'll be asked to shift to Friday. If that doesn't work for you, I can offer you somebody else because your ultimate goal isn't to work extra day regularly. Your ultimate goal is to shift that into what you already have. So just be really clear about it because it's going to piss people off. And I remember one specific instance that I had, I don't even remember what it was, but I remember what my client called me and she said, what happened with this client? And I said, what do you mean? And I guess she was upset about something. And she's like, do you know what I told her? I said, that doesn't sound like Jenna. So I'm sure that something, there's been a miscommunication. And so that also falls back on, I built my reputation where people know me. So if somebody's saying yucky things about you, you're going to have these people that say things like, that doesn't sound like Amy. That doesn't sound like something Amy would say. So I don't know. I think there might be a gap in that story. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And then your your clients have your back as well. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. And you know, when you were first making those changes in your business, did you have like doubts or did you have those little mindset gremlins that creeped in, like, you know, what are you doing or who do you think you are? Or uh, no. I think that I probably off of the spectrum have, I'm not afraid to do anything. I don't get embarrassed to do things like that. But something also that I do is I try it for a while to see if I like it, not to see if I'm good at it. Because well, 
for example, like when we hire educators, I don't look for people who are great at what they do. I look for people who love what they do because you can be taught skill. You can't be taught passion. So first I decide, do I like it? I, okay, yes, I like it. And then I'm like, okay, can I get good at this? If I'm picking it up quickly, if it takes me too long to pick something up, I'm not interested in it because I'm not looking to make everything complicated and add more time to each service and not make more money. So if it's something that I can pick up quickly, so I'm very quiet about doing new things. When you guys learn about something new that I'm doing, it's because I've been doing it for six to 12 months already and nobody's heard about it. So just play, play for a while. Yeah. So good. And it also sounds like you like things very streamlined. Like you, I'm hearing like a common thing that I keep hearing and, and hopefully, you know, other people are catching up on this. Like the title is we're talking about how to increase sales by being the specialist. And and generally we're just talking about growing your business and things that will help you as well. But she, Jenna keeps coming back to simplifying, right? You know, one of the things I like to ask my clients is when they're like, well, I could do this, I could do this. And they're like all over the place. And they're kind of like, what should I do? And they're just wanting answers. My students, you know, I say, what would be the lightest, easiest, like feel good path to success? Like what would really like, because we get in our head and we need to tap into our heart and really kind of like drop into maybe our soul. This is a little woo woo, but hang with me, but you know, like kind of what would I really want? Like what would feel good? And it seems like that's what you, maybe not knowingly, it seems like that's what you kind of ask yourself or you have that program running in your mind to like simplify to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's the answer to everything. If you're clear, clarity and simplification is just I think they are two main ingredients that a lot of people don't learn about until, you know, really far into their career because they don't, nobody's told them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And why has nobody told them? Like, what is that? I think people have have told them they don't want to hear it. You know, Uh I'm sure many people, but it's like in the beginning, we don't want to hear what people have to say because we can do it all. We can do it. Watch me. Want to make a bet? I'm going to do it all. And what we don't realize is they're probably actually trying to help us. You know, so we sh- we probably did get the advice. We just weren't ready to receive it. <laughs> yeah. And what you just said right there, like, we can do it all. Yeah. We like, can. Sure. Yeah. But. You can do it all. You're not going to be, you're not going, everything, if you do it all, your services will become mediocre and you will be, you will be that mediocre. Nobody wants mediocrity in a business that they own. Yeah. And you'll burn out. You will hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's so important for people to understand. I always say like when people are looking at all of their options, like when our consumers, our prospects are looking at all their options, right? Can you clearly say, because if you can't articulate what you do and how you do it better, if you can't say it, then the client's not going to know it. But I love that you know what you do and how you do it. Yeah. And that's what Jenna's really saying here. Like pick your path, go strong on it, right? And yeah. kind of put the blinders on is what it sounded like you did. And then well, you, and know, you would grow and test things as you would grow. I think another benefit of being a, quote, specialist or being known for something is you're able to charge more because you're the best. You're known for that. So you can charge more for that. So that's also something if you're a generalist, this is just you just do this. And I have very fragile hair. I have fine hair. And when I have my hair 
lightened. I don't go to just anybody. I go to a blonding or a bleaching specialist because I don't want my hair to be fried off. And the same goes for everything that I do. For people that get a nose job, they're not going to go to a, a, a somebody who's great at breast implants for rhinoplasty. It's happening everywhere. It's right under our nose. You just don't see it until somebody shows it to you. And that's where people find success. That's where people start to have massive financial success, massive reputational success. Everything comes, falls together and comes into place when you learn to let it be, let it go. That's not for you. This is what you sell and find something that you're good at and then become great at it and then become the best at it. And then that's when you really see that growth. And sometimes it doesn't happen for 15 years. And that's, that's normal. But people get bored. Yeah. So good. So good. Woo! So, so good. You know, and it's funny because when you were talking, I was hearing when you were talking about your schedule, I was hearing the marketing mind was going and I was like, what you were doing, whether you realized it or not, is you were kind of in your business creating this scarcity, which is one of yeah. the top influences for buying, like the number one reason when they've done all of these things, like, you know, a deadline or when there is less of something, we want it more like, you know, yeah. if it's yeah. like diamonds, like if it's, if there's less of something, then we value it more. But actually the, the truth is there's really not less of diamonds. They just hold them back. That's a side tangent, but, yeah, yeah. You know, but you know, if, if there's less of something, if there's, if there's less time, if there's less appointments, people want it more. And to your point, they pay more for it, right? You can charge more if you are really specialized in that. Oh, yeah. so, so good. So many good things that you said. So many gems. All right. Yeah. So now a couple things as we wrap this up. One, if you were to leave this earth, what do you want people to know? Like, what is your wisdom that you would say, this is what I, I feel really strongly about? It's kind of a deep question, but I, sometimes I ask people uh, what brings them joy, but I, I think that you have a lot of wisdom here. So I think that what, what would be a really good would be an impactful thing that you would want people to know. Okay. So this is something that I learned from a client probably 15 years ago, and her name was Therese. And a lot of us do this when we're talking to our clients. We're telling the same stories over and over again. I'm like, what do you think about this? Do you think about this? And I remember this client said, why are you asking me this all the time? And I was like, oh, just make a conversation. She's like, do you not trust yourself? And it always stuck in my head. No, I do trust myself. I just want to make sure that you trust me too. So, you know, I say whatever it is that your first initial gut feeling is with something, don't second guess it. Stop second guessing yourself. Don't make any rash decisions, especially financial ones. And I'm not saying I have a feeling in this business. I'm going to quit my job and do this. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you feel like something, it, like you said, it might be woo woo, but if something, if you close your eyes and you can feel it and you're like, this is the right decision, that's what you should slowly start to work towards. And I don't think that you should ask people. I think asking people muddies your feelings because then you're, it's like when you ask your your divorced sister for relationship advice, she doesn't have advice to give. She should be asking you for advice. Don't ask people for advice if you're already sure about what it is that you feel is right. Cause it's going to sway your opinion and you already know what you want to do. So just don't talk about it. Just do it. Yes. Yes. Have that faith in yourself and that belief in yeah. yourself. I think that's, that is really, I mean, 
I love all the books like Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill, all of those early on books that, you know, Tony Robbins and all the leaders say that they read, right? Like the ones that said it and they, it all starts, they always start with, it starts with the belief and the faith. And so you're saying drop into yourself and what do you want? Love, love, love that. So good. Thank you. So tell us about any, anywhere they can find you, all the you guys can find me at so Kalashes. I do my best to keep up with our inbox, but I, you know it's a little bit impossible these days. I limit myself in the hours that I spend on social media. Otherwise, I would be there ten hours a day. But so so Kalashes, you're more likely to get a response if you leave a comment instead of a message. Our inbox gets very full. So Kalashes.com. My little salon is Soco by the Sea. My personal Instagram is Jenna Cash with one N. And YouTube, we're we're lights camera lashing on YouTube. And I think that's all the way to find us. Yay. So good. Thank you for joining us, Jenna. Thank you for all the wisdom. So good. I love it. I love you just straight talk and just telling it like it is. Thank you for sharing your time with us and your heart and your wisdom. So good. Thank you for everything. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Beauty Marketing Simplified Podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love to hear from you. Make sure you subscribe, download, and also leave us a review. Let us know any topics that you would like to hear about. And also, definitely refer it to a friend. Thank you again for joining us. I'm signing off. This is April with Grit and Grace, Hugs and High Fives. See you next week.